The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. I'm really happy to have you here as always. Please go to my host page at Voice America and you'll find links to all your own favorite ways to connect with me. Today I'm welcoming Lorraine Taylor. Lorraine Taylor is founder and CEO of 1000 Mothers to Prevent Violence. She founded the organization in response to the murders of her 22-year-old twin sons on February 8, 2000 in Oakland, California. A community organizer and activist, Lorraine serves as advisor to the Oakland Police Department. In 2013, her nonprofit, Thousand Mothers to Prevent Violence, was the featured community-based organization at the Oakland Police Department Open House. A prayer warrior and renowned gospel recording artist, she's recorded and written two CDs. Her awards and honors include ABC7 TV Profiles of Excellence, the Oakland A's Bullpen Relief Award, the Bay Area Jefferson Award, and Legal Community Against Violence Distinguished Leadership Award. Lorraine was named by Ebony Magazine in 2013 as one of the 100 most influential African Americans in the USA, along with Oprah Winfrey, T.D. Jakes, Magic Johnson, and many others. She holds a BPA, MHROD, Nonprofit Management Certificate, and she's a Master's in Social Work candidate. A mother of three sons, she has one living son, Gregory Jr. Lorraine, I'm really, really happy to have you here today. I've, oh, thank you, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me on your wonderful show. I'm really pleased to have you. I've wanted to talk with you on the show before the show was even on the air. <laughs> so oh. um, today's a happy day for me. Oh, um, thank you. You're welcome. I, I think we share a love of our town, Oakland. Um, yes. We both live here, and and I I love many things about Oakland, but maybe you can share with the listeners some of what makes your work in Oakland so so crucial and so important. Yes, I haven't had the opportunity to reside in Oakland, but my sons did. My twin sons lived in Oakland. They were residents there at the time of their deaths, and that is one of the reasons my heart pulls towards Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, that so that it's kind of uh, you have a resonance with other people that are experiencing those losses here, huh? Yes. The main reason is that my sons were here and were living in Oakland, and they lost their lives there, innocent victims of gun violence. And Oakland is one of the most 
dangerous cities in the United States as far as gun violence is concerned and other types of violence. And there are so many mothers like myself who are suffering in silence, and I just want to reach out to them. I had a dream last night that another mother came to me and said she lost another son. This was in my dream, and I just held her in my arm and told her, I'm not going to leave you. I'm never going to leave you. That type of grief is just so crippling that we need the support of each other. Absolutely. I think, um, of course, loss can be crippling, period. But then to add um, the violence, to me, just um, deepens that so much. Is that your experience with people as well? Yes, it's one thing to know that your mother is going to someday pass away and most likely before you based on statistics. But it's another thing for that mother to have to bury her child. It's just not the same. It's actually indescribable. The pain that we deal with, it's not describable. Can you share with the listeners some of what you do to support families that are experiencing that kind of loss? Yes, we raise awareness, and thank you for helping us to do what we do. We get on the radio and television and let people know that we do have programs and services available and that it's not okay to to use violence as a way to communicate. We hold community events. We have an event coming up May 10th called the Morning Mother's Walk to Prevent Violence. That's another way of raising awareness as, and as well as giving families another opportunity to fellowship, to look at an alternative to antidepressants. Many of us had to work, many of us were prescribed antidepressants. And as for myself, I started to walk and I shoot antidepressants down the toilet because it was, I was hearing bells and things of that nature. It was not working well for me. While I'm neither for nor against it, walking helped ease my pain and helped restore my joy. So we started the Morning Mother's Walk, and that's one of our programs. One Mm -hmm. of the most popular programs we offer is COPE. It's a support group, a grief support and educational group that we hold each week in Oakland every Saturday from 1 until 3 at the Salvation Army's Oakland Garden Center. We meet there, and we provide a safe place for families and friends of homicide victims to come, to share. We also bring in Oakland police officers from the Homicide Department to talk about the cases that are open and help us to understand the criminal justice system as complicated as it is. Mm. Just get an answer sometimes, help our families to to get a little closer to that healing. So uh, we have, um, those, are, those are the two main programs that, I, that comes to the three. Uh, raising awareness, advocating for our families, the morning mothers walk to prevent violence, and of course, hope support group. We offer another dinner every December where we reach out to the families. We give a complimentary dinner called our Purple Gala. Mm. Yes, Sarah, those are the main services that we provide. It keeps me very busy. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what what just kind of um, stood out to me just then, too, is the idea of the police department um, actually meeting with families. 
I would think that would also help the police to kind of understand the community better and have a sense of the impact of what's happening in Oakland. Is Do you find that that happens? Yes, I think it's made a great difference. Our goal, knocking on the police department doors for many years, since losing my own sons, finally getting them to open it under Chief Bass a few years ago, has actually helped to bridge that gap in trust and communication mm-hmm. between the police department and, and the community. And that's why they use our organization as an example. Once I knocked on the door, we kept knocking. They finally opened the got to see and, and see us face to face to see our tears and I believe feel our pain. And that has that has helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'm very interested in how we keep dialogues open about things that are painful. So that that really uh, affects me to imagine that room and and people who have lost people to violence actually being able to interact with people who are doing law enforcement. I think that's got to be very humanizing. Yes, as an advisor, not only am I concerned if they took their vitamins and if they're spending time with their families, we roast them really, really well. We actually ask them to sit in our seat, walk in our shoes for a moment while we're at the table, and let us say to them what they're saying to us and see how they feel about it. And I think with our new lieutenant of homicide, they are there doing everything, everything possible under our interim chief went to help bring some of these cases to closure. Uh-huh. And maybe it gives them a, a little more of a, uh, of a personal motivation for that, too, I would, I would yeah, imagine. We're, we're very transparent. We hold them accountable. The subject is accountability, integrity. Unity. We ask them to treat every case as if it were their own child's case. And we, we hold them to that. And they actually said to me, Lorraine, we want you to hold us accountable. Hmm. So that's, that's a big shift because there's, being an Oakland resident myself, I know there can be so much tension, um, you know, between the community and the, and the police. To, so to have that dialogue just really seems important to me. Um, yes, I also, it's, it's, okay, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Yes, I wanted to say that when we do meet, the only thing I ask them to do is let's hold hands and pray and mm-hmm. to understand that our pain and our anger may come across, but we want, to com- want it to come across in a respectful manner, but just in case someone does act out or anger is not, not directed properly, to understand that this is pain unresolved. And I yes. asked them to hold hands and let's pray about this first before we start our meeting. And they have been receptive to that. One lieutenant said, just don't ask me to sing, Lorraine. <laughs> <laughs> just don't ask me to sing. So we, we agree that we have to be on the same page and we have to understand that, that we're, our children are just not another number. Yeah. And you can do the singing part, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> I I know you're also getting uh, as I as I shared with the listeners in reading your your biography you're getting some national attention these days um in f- in fact I know you're going to be on the TV show Exhale on the Aspire network is that correct yes. on May 14th 
Yes, it's really interesting. Uh, I that was total a total surprise to me when Ebony Magazine called me. I really did not handle the call very well. I questioned them, like, oh, I think you have the wrong number, and <laughs> obviously here are my 1,000 mothers to prevent violence. <laughs> while I was able to, to connect with the chairperson and the owner of Ebony Magazine, and they said, well, we have added another category, and that is community crusader. Otherwise, I... There is Oprah, T.D. Jackson, President Barack Obama. Otherwise, I just could not see, could not comprehend ordinary people being on a list of most influential African Americans. Just never in this world. Mm-hmm. And they told me they have representatives in every region just looking for people who are trying to make a difference. And you know, and I know that I'm not the only one, Cheryl. There are so mm-hmm. many people out there who are doing great things, and that's what's so humbling about this honor from Ebony Magazine. And, of course, Magic Johnson was on the list, and I believe this interview came from the honor from Ebony Magazine. Mm-hmm. I'm totally humbled by this. I really I don't have any pride about any of this because I'm doing what I've been called to do, that is to reach out and help somebody. Well, I th- I think uh, it's so moving that you're willing not just to do the work, but to share your story, um, because it's painful, but also inspiring that that you've made something quite powerful out of you know what all of us would qualify as such a painful experience, and I imagine yes, that so. some of what people respond to. It is, it is painful. Every time I, I relive that day that I heard about my twin sons, it does hurt. It does hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Do you know what you're going to... We're going to talk about that in the next segment more uh, to let listeners know, but do you, do you know what you're planning on... The panel is planning on talking about just to finish up with the, uh, with the Exhale show? Uh, what is that yeah. panel going to be about? Yes, the subject subject of the show is Justice or Just Us, and we are doing several series, one with myself, another with Judge Mathis, and other other guests that have have something to say about justice or just us. Mm. And in, in preparing for the interview on my way, to Los Angeles through the Oakland airport, I decided to ask an African-American young man who worked at the airport, what do you think about this subject? Do you think it's justice or just us? And he said, ma'am, it's just us. I just lost my best friend to violence. And when I got on the plane, I sat next to a, a handsome Caucasian man, and I asked him the same question. And he said to me, I'm sorry, ma'am, I can't relate. I just can't relate. Hmm. So it's that's, that's in, in, in general what we talk about, the justice system. Is it justice for everyone or is it just us? Is there two sets of rules? Mm-hmm. And I, I tend to lean towards the latter. There are two sets of rules. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's pretty, pretty clear if you're paying attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. And very clear to me. So, um, yes. That that's part of of the weight of pain too, isn't it? To feel that that um, 
the justice system will not support um, the uh, the change that needs to happen. Unfortunately, it's the lack of education and the lack of understanding what the founding fathers meant in the Constitution and the United States Constitution, especially at the Thirteenth Amendment, which was written, which was designed to free slavery, to free everyone. Everyone had the right to be free. Mm -hmm. But there is another clause in there, except you break the law. Now, it was their law at that time, it was the law, to, if you were to teach the slaves to read and write, then you could be punished. So the slaves were free now, and they're out here breaking a law that they had no idea existed on the book, because they saw where it was okay to lynch and to kill with their own eyes. Mm. But now they're saying, on the other hand, for you, if you kill, you're going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. And these slaves that did not have any understanding of what the law really meant, it, I don't think they really meant to free the slaves because we have the modern-day prison plantation now. And a lot of the young people that I talk to are in jail, and they're really confused. They're really confused about why me? Why did I get to go to jail when this other person of another race who committed the same crime got a slap on the hand, just a little tap on the hand? So there are successful rules, and I think that it's important for our young people and it's important for teachers to teach the kids that it's just really not the same. You need to know the law in order not to break the law. And I think for all of us, it's important to understand, um, you know, the context in which those differences happen... (laughs) So we can support young people um, yes. that that they are up against something. That's not a joke. They're not uh, making it up, you know. And at the same time, um, how do they have lives of meaning and purpose? Yeah? Yes, but we're not excusing them for doing things when they know better. A lot of right, They know right. it's not right to take another life. They know that it's not right to rob, steal, and kill. We want them to be held accountable also. I don't want to put the message yeah. out here that I'm, I'm excusing them. I'm not excusing the guy for killing my twin sons. Not at all. Not at all. Our first break's here. When we come back, let's talk about your sons and how their loss led you in such an incredible direction. During the break, please go to the Good Grief Host page. And to find out more about Lorraine Taylor and her work, go to her website, www.1000mothers.org. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Jones, the host of Good Grief. You can find me at Voice America and at my website, www.weatheringgrief.com. Today I'm here with Lorraine Taylor, founder and CEO of A Thousand Mothers to Prevent Violence. And you can find her at a thousandmothers.org. That's 1000mothers.org to uh, find everything she does. Lorraine, you know, getting ready to this show for this show, I've been telling people that you were coming on and a little bit about your story. And there's a pretty uniform reaction when I share just the little bit about your story. And it's almost always the same sentence. I can't imagine that. Yes. and and then I say, no, you you can't, <laughs> you know, but you but you, Lorraine, you lived it. Can you share with my listeners what happened to Abadi and Obadiah? Yes, my 22-year-old twin sons were college students and working at the time. Obadiah was at the Barber College where he was working on his license to open up his own shop one day. And Abadi happened to be on his lunch break just before going to his second job when Obadiah called on the parking lot near the Barber College that, and said that his car would not start. He called his brother to help him fix the car. And that's where some crazy person with the AK-47 took their lives just like that. We didn't know about it until the next day. It was on February 9th. My son Gregory called me because someone had heard on the news that two men with the same birthday had been murdered. And one had a tattoo on his back, Obadiah. And they grew up in Alameda, and someone from their school called Gregory, because there's not too many kids named Obadiah, and and they knew it had to be my twin sons. Gregory called me and said to me, Mom, I want you to stop what you're doing and pray for strength. So I did. I ran to my sofa, fell on my knees, and prayed a quick prayer, wondering why. About 20 minutes later, I get this call back, and he said, Mom, Mom, we lost them. And I asked, what do you mean we lost them? And he said, my brother's mom. And so he, I, I was just frozen. He handled everything. He went to the morgue to identify them, and he did the funeral. And eventually, I just lost my mind, literally, mm-hmm. because my boys looked so much alike. One day, Gregory walked in the door, and 
I started calling him Abadie. I just thought that everything I heard had been a nightmare and that I was waking up. I was sitting at the table writing a song on my tape recorder, and he just let the tape recorder continue, and I actually have proof that I lost my mind, literally. Mm. It's like, Mom, this is not Abadie. I'm Gregory. And then I go into, where, where are my boys? What happened to my boys? And just to come back to that reality that it wasn't a nightmare, that I had lost my babies, that they weren't coming back. Just mm. changed my life forever. Forever. And, I, I, you know, there's sort of um, a thing that's said that, that your mind will protect you from things that you just can't absorb. It almost sounds like that to me, that you just could not absorb that for a good long time. And yes. Mm-hmm. This, was, uh, this was probably a few weeks after the funeral that I... I just snapped out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And I was, I did okay. I told myself every day, Lorraine, work hard so you won't have to think about this. I was a social worker at the time and I would go to work and was luring all of the clients to me because I thought that was the only way in the world that I could deal with this. And I started getting complaints from the other social workers and case managers, all of the clients asking for Lorraine, we have no clients. And I would take my work home. I doubled my caseload from 15 to 30. I would mm. work until I passed out at night just so I wouldn't think about this. And that went on for a whole year almost. And I walked into a team meeting in Fremont at Tri-City Health Center, and I passed out that day. And I was rushed to the hospital, and somebody chewed the horn or yelled, I passed out again. They sent me to Stanford to try to find out what was wrong with my brain. And when I got to Stanford, I started talking to them about my babies, and they admitted me to their mental award. And I was dealing with depression and didn't know it. And depression is a mental illness. It really needs to be treated as such and not ignored. Mm-hmm. My working 24-7, so I wouldn't think, was just chronic depression. So they admitted me and and that started my healing. I was forced to grieve. Doctors took my license for four years because in California, if you pass out twice for any reason, they take your license. Mm-hmm. And I was so fragile. I couldn't handle anything. I was just a nervous wreck. Mm. It's, it fits with my idea, uh, you know, the way I, the way I think that it can't, grief can't be, really be gotten around. You know, you can put it off for sure, but it was there kind of waiting for you and things were getting worse. Um, yes. I had no idea how to deal with this type of grief. So uh-huh. even after I was under my doctor's care and now I did a lot of suffering in silence. I was embarrassed now. I couldn't drive. I was embarrassed. I wasn't, I was taken off work and placed on disability long term. I didn't tell anybody about the passing out, so I stayed in my room for a long time and just went through a horrible time in my life. And it was in 2006, I could sense the Holy Spirit saying to me, Lorraine, you can either lie here and die here, or you can get up and live. What do you want to do? Mm. And I said, Lord, I want to live. And he said to me, you're not the only one. 
about the other mothers. Go see about the other families that are grieving. And that's exactly what I did. I rolled myself out of the bed and looked and asked, who's that woman on the other side of that wall? She is toe up from the flow up. I hadn't combed my hair. I was just a mess. Mm-hmm. So I finally went to Trader Joe's and asked for their foil so that when I went, when I would go to visit my families, I would have something to offer and my pain and my story. I would have food. And they let me in. They let me in. San Francisco Chronicle had been calling me to talk to me. And I like depression causes you to isolate yourself. And I kept telling them, I don't want to talk to anyone. I, I don't want to deal with anyone anytime. So this day they called me. And, of course, I told them I was on my way to People's Park to pass out sandwiches because I had too many sandwiches to give away that day before they spoiled. And they followed me for four months. Every, going to the homes and to the schools, I was going into the jails, everywhere, just to try and help save another life by telling my story. And that's how we became really, really busy because people read about us and, and everybody was calling, looking for a place to go. What do I do? How do I handle this kind of trauma in my life? Uh, when I was thinking, just thinking about your experiences, I was thinking the people that have that kind of loss now uh, in this area where I live, um, they have you. But your yes, story yes. tells me you didn't have you, you know. Um, no, no, I had, I didn't have me. I was lost, and I, I think of a song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. I once was lost, I mean, literally, mentally, spiritually lost, but now I'm found. I found myself by helping other people. I continue to find myself by helping others. And that's such a contrast to trying to overwork to avoid it or, uh, you know, um, put it out of your mind. You're, you walk right into the face of it every day. Yes, I do. And even in my dream, I, I deal with it in my dream. I decided to turn my TV off because I'm dedicated and I'm determined to give myself to my community so, so I can help save another mother from having to have that type of breakdown. I was and to have the mustard seed faith not to try and drug and drink. I meet mothers who are doing just that. They are drinking, they are drugging, they are trying to find a, an escape from this mm-hmm. type of pain that we experience and being there with them, not judging them, but showing them an alternative. For example, let's go walk around the marina. Let's talk about this. Let's write about it. Mm-hmm. It, it does help a lot. And and also, I just you know it's it's already sometimes um, not a welcome thing for people when someone dies to hear about that person, and yet it's important I think to be able to talk about the person, and I would imagine that would be even maybe a little more intense in a situation where violence is involved that people may not want to want to talk so um do do you uh 
I'll bet you hear a lot of stories about people and who they were. Am I right yes, about that? Yes, I do. Some good, some bad. I didn't talk for many, many years about my sons. I just could not see, look at their pictures. Some of the homes I went into, they had shrines with photos, and I'm thinking I can't talk about it, let alone look at the picture just to remember that they are no longer here with me. The support group is a safe place for us to talk, for us to share, cry, laugh, whatever comes to surface. However, it's not for everyone. I often make home visits to families who just cannot talk about it. They cannot talk about it. They cannot stand to hear about it coming from someone else. So we do one-on-one counseling when necessary, and we also refer to professional therapy, those Mm -hmm. who are not ready for the support group, because we know that it's important to talk. As far as talking in a group, it may not be the right thing at the right time for everyone. And there is that quiet place where you just want someone to be with you, too, you know, where you're not ready to talk, um, which I imagine was true with you right at the start. Yeah, not, it took not ready a long to talk. time before I went knocking on doors. I couldn't hold it in any longer. I had to talk to somebody. And I finally found a therapist that I saw for a short while. But then I became very busy with the work that I do through 1,000 Mothers to Prevent Violence. And so I canceled my therapy until just two months ago I started therapy again. Mm. You have to know when to go, huh? <laughs> Yes, I knew it was time. I I dealt with a case a few months ago with a little baby who lost his life in his father's arm. They were murdered at the same time. Dealing with any case is extremely hard. It could be very difficult. It could be stressful, but I don't want to call it grievous because this work does bring about a certain level of healing in my life. But when it comes to babies, That one put me in the bed for five days. I ended up having to leave the little casket in because the preacher didn't show up on time. And the family was like, Lorraine, take over. I was scheduled to to empty the program anyway. But then I had to open the Bible and leave the little casket in and and actually conduct the funeral service. Mm. That was difficult, Cheryl. That was very difficult for me to see a little baby less than two years old, a beautiful baby, loses life just because his father decided to come back to attend a friend's funeral. He had left Oakland because someone was after his life. Mm. And he came back to a funeral service, went to spend some time with his baby, had his baby with him. Someone turned the light on, shot him and the baby. I That and another case of a little baby... It just kind of had me to say, okay, I need to find a different way to process this. I need to talk about this. This is just not, it's a little much. You know, I I also work with grief, not the same kind. But if you don't take care of yourself, it doesn't work, wouldn't you say? Yes. Same thing I tell everybody, and I finally had to tell myself. Somebody told me that, actually, someone suggest that I go back and seek more therapy for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I as n- on an as-needed basis, huh? <laughs> 
Well, I go every week now. Every week. I'm there every week. My poor therapist can hardly get a word in. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it should be. (laughs) I know the little bell is ding. Is it 45 minutes already? Just to note that your time is winding down, Lorraine. (laughs) I know you. I know you. I would imagine you would say that um, music is another self-care part of your life. It's worship, but it's, I'm guessing, also a healing part of your life. Is that true? Yes, it is. As a child, I, I would wake up singing every morning to the top of my voice, singing with the chickens, because there was a certain amount of joy that I got from the songs that people would write that I could relate to. And when I came from Mississippi to California, I continued singing and joined the band, got out of the band because I couldn't stand the smoke in the clubs. I never really (laughs) experienced the world. But singing and music has always played a very important role in my life. Mm -hmm. And it was in 2000, the year 2000, when the Million Mile March was really on the move. They heard about my twin sons. They called me and asked me if I would be their keynote speaker. And we, uh, over seven to 500 people came out on a rainy day, Mother's Day 2000. And when they found out that I sang, they asked me if I would write a song. And I said, well, just give me a hook. So my friend Betsy <laughs> gave me a hook, Take a Stand. And I wrote a song called It's Time to Take a Stand that they included on the album with a lot of famous people like Melissa Etheridge, Susan Sanderon, and... Mm. And and we're going to hear that in the next segment. Um, but I wonder when we come back whether you'd be willing to just sing a, a little bit of something so people can hear your beautiful voice. Oh, sure. sure I'll, I'll sing a little something. <laughs> All right. When we come back, it's time for our second break. And in these few minutes, be sure to go to my host page, Good Grief at VoiceAmerica.com or my website. I'm available for individual and couples therapy in the San Francisco Bay Area or online sessions for clients anywhere in California through the Regroup platform. I'm also available for speaking and consulting nationally and internationally. Please find Lorraine Taylor at 1000mothers.org. Be back soon. your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness if you think you've seen online tv before let us surprise you VoiceAmerica.tv is online now the leader in live internet talk radio has done it again multiple channels a state-of-the-art viewing experience live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day it's exactly what you want when you want it VoiceAmerica.tv from health and wellness to business sports and everything in between discover our new world visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television VoiceAmerica.tv 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I'm here with Lorraine Taylor, who dedicates her life to violence prevention and family support as an outgrowth of the loss of two of her sons to violence. And I promised my listeners a little a little um, gift of your voice when we came back. Can you sing us a little bit of something? Yes, I often refer to this song, which is one of the most popular songs that we sing in the church today. It's called Amazing Grace, and I say it's Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I've written several, about 20-something songs, but I'd like to share this, just a little of this song. Mm. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that says, Being on a telephone, I think people can, uh, at least I can feel the truth in that for you. <laughs> yes, yes. In the way that you sing it. I can, I can, uh, I can really understand why that song would, would move yeah. you. Because it's exactly what we were just talking about, isn't it? Yes, it does. It, it brings about the truth to the light. Is that I was blind. I was blind to... The violence right on the other side of the two. We live in Alameda, and rather than opening my ear and my eye to what was going on, I I didn't I wasn't involved, and that was part of my guilt. And I tell mm-hmm. people all the time, just because it's not in your community, don't pretend that it doesn't exist. 
had I been involved, I believe I would have been able to educate my sons better on living in Oakland or even directing them to another place that I thought was safer. In Alameda, there was no violence, except there was uh, the violence of racism. Sure. It was quite different. I was ready and feeling ready and prepared to deal with that, but never, ever ready and feeling prepared to deal with the loss of my children to violence right mm-hmm. on the other side of the shoe. Just never would have thought it would have come to my door. So I was blind, but now I see. I see, and I tell people, you got to see it for what it is. It's not just another story. This is reality. There is a war going on in the city of Oakland and in certain communities, I won't say in a whole city, that we need to be aware of and we need to take a stand. We should not just pretend it's going to go away. It takes a village to save a child, to raise a child, and to save that child. And we are asking people to just come together, join us. We invite the NRA to use your money, power, and influence to join us to prevent Mm -hmm. violence. We're not trying to take away your rights to bear arms. I remember the president said jokingly when when people question why Michelle, his wife, the first lady, would wear short sleeves and Michelle has the right to bear arms. She has <laughs> the right to bear arms. Well, we do have the right to bear arms, but we should be able to teach our kids how to use those weapons as if you're going to use them for entertainment, but not to kill one another. So we invite the NRA, we invite everyone to come join forces with us. Do not be blind. Don't pretend it's not happening just because it's not at your door. We don't want it to come to your door. I wouldn't want anyone to feel this, not even my... I don't have an enemy to my knowledge. If I were to have one, I wouldn't want this on my worst enemy. And the, the other thing that I hear between the lines in what you're saying is that that... Violence is coming out of a whole lot of pain that is not being addressed. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. There are so many variables, so many layers to this problem called violence. It is a public safety problem. It is a mental health issue, and it needs to be treated as such. I spoke about the apple tree or just the tree in general, but we use the apple because I... No, we often say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. There can be an apple tree in Oakland and one in Alameda. If it's in the wrong environment, if it's in an environment where there is no, there are no jobs, well, I would say suitable jobs, and, and there is no college in that area, the people have no hope, there is it's drug infested, that tree is going to produce some drug infested fruit. And yes. some, some fruit that's just not going to be healthy. Uh, yes. So your, the environment plays a great role on the violence, and if we know this, why cannot we go into those communities and make a difference? Amen. Uh, the other thing I'm so aware of, because I have uh, several friends who teach in the Oakland schools, and the weight of grief that those children, little tiny children from 5 to 18, are bearing, you know, there, there's uh, every single kid has had somebody in their, on their block or in their life uh, to be killed. And to me, it's no wonder then that something kind of goes a little dead, <laughs> you know. Yes, they are hurting, and hurt people normally hurt people. 
I'm going to be speaking to a group of kids tomorrow at McClyman's High School in Oakland. They asked that I come and share my story, and they'll probably be at, with us at the walk also. I think they're going to just create their own messages to stop the violence. And uh, so if our children are our today and tomorrow, if we as adults cannot process this type of grief, what do we think about the children? They don't know how to put words to it. In our support group, we have a, a group for children, and that came out of one of the adult support groups when Ms. Arlene Johnson, who lost her daughter, raised her grandson, lost him to gun violence. Now she's helping to raise her great-grandson. He came to the group one Saturday and left and told his grandmother when she called me and said, little of the money, said, he left the group feeling sad. And I was like, oh, my God, I know I shouldn't have these kids in this group. And she said, I asked him why. And he said, well, she didn't let me talk about my feelings. And that, that just put a bell on in my head. And we started a support group for the children. But it's a different type of group where they draw pictures and they come out and, and share in different ways if, about the grief. We started letting them open up, learning that little Kawana at 12 years old had been contemplating suicide. Mm. Her grandmother almost hit the floor. She's another grandmother taking care of a, a grandchild who lost her father. We have a lot of grandparents that are taking care of grieving children. They are grieving. Yes, absolutely. Their, their son or daughter, and now they are dealing with the grief. They're actually disconnected from the fact that the grandkids are grieving. Tawana's mother, grandmother, almost hit the floor when Tawana confessed. I, I was thinking about taking my own, killing myself. I don't want to live anymore. And mm-hmm. she said, well, Tawana... You've been praise dancing and you've been singing. I thought everything was all right. And she said, well, that's because my dad, when he went to get his rap contract, he got killed. I'm doing this for my dad. They don't really know what to do. Like, I didn't know what to do. So we are opening the support group up. We have a program called Project Smart, which we lost our funding for, for last year. Kaiser kept us at first, and then they chose not to this year because they had some different folk, a different focus. So we are hoping through the walk we can get our project smart up and running again. This is for grandparents and grandchildren who lost their father and their the grandparents who lost their children and children who lost their parents. The gun guidance where we put them in a martial arts class after school and we have a special program where the grandparents and the children come together and communicate. So we have a vision to build uh a center for healing so we can house all of these programs where there will be a place for our families to come and feel like, I can get some help here. I know they understand. I I really want to underline what you just said because if there's anybody out there who might have the resources and be able to support that work, I just... So such important work. I'm so glad you're thinking in that kind of visionary way about, you know, what what might begin to address what's what's happening in our community. Um, so yeah. I I really hope somebody makes that easy for you so that you don't have to spend all your time trying to get the money to do it. Yes, we are. We welcome any support, technical support financial support, volunteers. We need therapists who are available. When the Oakland police call me or send an email and say, Ms. Taylor, we had a murder last night. Would you please be on standby? 
to visit this family, often that family needs a, a professional therapist. I, I'm an MSW candidate, so I'm not licensed to to advise at, mm-hmm. on that level. Mm-hmm. We need people who are willing to donate their time, if not forever, maybe two months, one month, to help us to save our children and save these parents, grandparents who are just dying in their grief. I don't want to put it that way, but that's the truth. They, Absolutely. They I, I've been... It. I've really been thinking a lot about the lack of intersection between all the mental health resources we have in our community here. They're mighty. And, and all the need that isn't met and how to, how to get those connected in a good way. Um, yes. let's, we're coming to the end, and I'd really like to share the, the music clip of the song you wrote for your sons before we go can we can we go to that now and then uh, we'll be back and wonderful let's hear that now Thank you so much, Lorraine. I hope we can all find a way to take a stand. Um, yes, listeners, I hope you'll join me next week when Terry Wingham w- will be with me. She's uh, founded a nonprofit, A Fresh Chapter. After her breast cancer, she went around the world to offer service, and now she manages trips to take other breast cancer and other forms of cancer survivors to Africa, India, around the world. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.